moment you dream about as a kid growing up trying to play in the NHL, and he scores! On the mic for episode five of the Cracker Jack Sports Show. I'm your host, John Coro, and today we are talking about our NHL weekly recap and, most importantly, the 2021 World Series. So before we get in today's episode, make sure to follow the Cracker Jack Sports Show on Twitter at Cracker Jack Show and on Instagram at CJackSports434. That is Cracker Jack Show on Twitter and CJackSports434 on Instagram. Well, folks, if you haven't already heard, the Major League Baseball season is officially over. The Atlanta Braves are your 2021 World Series champions. It's been a pretty eventful run for the squad. They started out the first half of the season underachieving tremendously. The only player that showed up was Ronald Acuna. In fact, he did more than show up. He was ripping the cover off the ball in A-Town. He was making all Braves fans happy, except the results. He couldn't change the result much because he was a hitter at the plate, but main reason why is because the pitching and the other bats around Acuna struggled tremendously. And that's pretty much why the Braves struggled in the first half, or should I say April and May. But just as you thought things couldn't get worse, they did. On June 1st of 2021, Marcelo Zuna was arrested for a domestic violence case, which ended his season. About a month later, on July 10th, that star Ronald Acuna toured an ACL, which ended his season. And he already had an injury earlier that year, so this one was icing on the cake. If you were a Braves fan, you looked dead. Your choice was at the trade deadline, like, to buy or sell. And obviously, Braves front office knew that this team was too good to sell. Like, they were still in their championship window. They had a lot of championship windows ahead of them. So, they bought at the deadline. And I say bought in the most possible way. Because... They acquired four outfielders in the trade deadline. Eddie Rosario from Cleveland, Jorge Soler from Kansas City, Jock Peterson from Chicago, and Adam Duvall, excuse me, Adam Duvall back from Miami. Four outfielders in a span of days. Days. So not even five months after losing Adam Duvall and free agency to the Marlins, the Braves get him back. So... You wouldn't really necessarily call Adam Duvall a new player to the team, but for Soler, Rosario, and Peterson, you call them completely new players. Nobody pictured them in Atlanta Braves uniforms, and they pretty much rebuilt their whole outfield. You had Eddie Rosario in left field, Adam Duvall in center, and then alternating in right field would be Jorge Soler and Jock Peterson. And not only... Did these trades help out for the second half of the season? They were a win-win situation because 
all four of these teams that they got their players from were all from rebuilding teams. The Marlins, the Cubs, the Indians, and the Royals. So it was a win-win situation. And as a result, they went on one of the best second halves in baseball to clinch their division. And they had even big events like a cycle from Freddie Freeman. It would be his first in his career. In the postseason, they, I thought they were going to lose to the Milwaukee Brewers. It even said in my prediction the Brewers would win in four. Well, the Braves pretty much took that personally. They won in four games, defied expectations. They went up against the, the juggernaut Los Angeles Dodgers. I know the Braves technically had home field advantage, but it didn't feel like much of a difference because the Braves had like 80-something wins. The Dodgers had like 104. So... Obviously, they look pretty outmatched, but they defied expectations yet again. They won that series in six games. They would also go on to win the World Series in six games, beating the juggernaut Houston Astros. Unfortunately, if the Astros didn't cheat, they still are a pretty good team. Like A lot of people suspected them cheating in the American League Championship Series, but I just can't see that. And you know how salty I could get as a Yankees fan. But... We already discussed Game 1 of the World Series in our last episode, so we can't just leave it off on there. we got to discuss the rest of the series in this episode, so let's dive in. So in Game 2 of the World Series, the Houston Astros returned the favor of blowing out the Braves, 7-2 the final score. Jose Altuve hit another postseason home run. This kid has been unbelievable in the postseason, with or without that noise being heard from the dugout. But the Houston Astros would end up winning this game either way. And the Braves' defense was kind of sloppy that game. There was an error where Austin Riley was not covering third base. And then two runs would end up scoring on the play. So was that a costly play? I don't know. But either way, the Astros would end up winning the game. That error led to a four-run second inning, though. So you could argue maybe that was... A costly play because that completely took the momentum out of the Braves for the rest of that game. In game three, however, at Atlanta, the Braves would win this game two to nothing, the final score. They shut out the Houston Astros. In fact, this would be the first ever World Series game being played at Truce Park, and the first time the Braves are hosting a World Series game since 1999 which they lost to my Yankees. Okay, I'll stop gloating. We lost to the wild card game this year. I shouldn't even be talking. But anyways, Ian Anderson, man, and another dominant start for this sophomore player for the MOB. Unbelievable. This kid lights it up in the postseason, and he showed it here. He put on a great show. He did it in 2020 against the Miami Marlins, I believe. But... Anderson can show that he is still a great pitcher, and I don't see him stopping, to be honest. When next year comes around, he'll definitely be up there for starting pitchers for the Braves. The offenses for with both sides were pretty bland. Like, it was a pitcher's duel this game, but Travis Darnot would get on the board with a home run in the bottom of the eighth, making it 2-0 Tampa Bay, and... The Astros' bats were just silent. Like, this kind of shocked me because they blew out both games. We were due for a close game, but I wasn't expecting a close pitcher's duel. I was expecting a slugfest this game, but still, great World Series game. 
and a great treat for us baseball fans. Two nothing Atlanta. They go up two to one in the series, which leads us to Game Four, which would result in another Braves win. This one by the final score of three to two. Now, before all the craziness came in the later innings, Jose Altuve hit his twenty third career postseason home run. I know a lot of it had to do with this, but still, great accomplishment either way. Like. It's very hard to hit 23 home runs in the most clutchest time of sports. For example, Barry Bonds, it was super obvious he took steroids. Clearly, clearly obvious. But it is still a massive accomplishment to hit 756 home runs with or without steroids. I still see that as a great accomplishment. And for even other steroid users like Ryan Braun, I know... He that was the reason why he raked in Milwaukee, but still to have a legendary career anyway is just amazing. But anyway, let's get back to game four. Later in in the late innings, Dansby Swanson and Jorge Soler hit clutch, clutch back to back home runs to lead the Braves to victory. The Atlanta crowd man was unbelievable. And all playoffs, they have shocked me with how much they could fill the seats and make noise, if you know what I mean. Because ever since they abandoned Turner Field in 2017, I believe, their crowd just hasn't been good, mainly because of how much traffic it takes to get to the stadium, just like Yankee Stadium. But their crowd was a little bland. But come postseason time in 2018, 2019, not 2020 because of COVID, but now in 2021, just, man, they surprised me. Like, the Braves fans are lit, absolutely lit. Obviously, in 2018 and 2019, they didn't have much success, so we didn't see it too much. But in 2021, they won the World Series, so we see a lot of good Braves fans. Which leads us now to Game 5. In this game, however, I thought the Braves were going to win, especially with the great first inning they had, because I I didn't go trick-or-treating since it was Halloween, so I stayed home, watched a game. I thought to myself, man, the Astros are going to lose this one. Braves are going to win it. But nope, reality smacked me right in the face. The Astros won in fourth game six in a 9-5 victory. Now, the main reason what made me think Atlanta was going to win was Adam Duvall's opposite field grand slam in the first inning, making it 4 nothing. And I thought it was going to happen. I thought the Braves were going to win it, but nope, reality, like I said, smacked me right in the face. Marvin Gonzalez, he came up clutch in the seventh inning, a blooper RBI single to make it 7-5. to five. And Gonzalez has been pretty much everywhere. 2018, he got traded to the Twins. I think it was on the Twins in 2019 and 2022. But then he went to the Red Sox in 2021, then went back to the Astros at the deadline. So just... And now he's acting like he's never left. His 2017... Magic came back. All right, that that effect's getting a little annoying, so I'll just stop doing it. If you were an Astros fan after Game 5, you'd see this as a massive victory, mainly because your season was on the line and your hopes of winning the World Series were on the line. Well, those hopes would all get crushed, just like that trash can in the dugout. The Braves would win the World Series for the first time since 1995, blanking the Houston Astros, Seven to nothing. The Astros' bats look dead. They really look dead this series. Well, not this series, but in game six overall. Just the Braves' 
pitching, Max Freed, six great innings to lead the way, and the bullpen got the job done in the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning. But what really saw me as like the painkiller was Jorge Soler's three-run home run in the third inning. Like that, that pretty much symbolizes the end of the Houston Astros 2021 season. That ball went a long way. I believe it was like 444 feet out of the stadium. So absolutely crazy. And, you know, Dansby Swanson and Freddie Freeman had to add to it with two-run homers after. So that pretty much ended Houston's season. Justice finally being served. And this was great. Like, as we all know, this was karma for a certain team that I've already named a lot, but we'll pretend that they are not named. So a very entertaining season of Major League Baseball has finally and unfortunately come to an end. I'm already starting to miss it, and hockey officially becomes my main focus at this point. But until next year, I only await the four most magic words in all of sports, pitchers and catchers report. And in case some of you guys don't know, I've been following the Yankees and Major League Baseball as a whole for six years. Remember, the first season I watched the Yankees was in 2016. I still remember a lot of that squad to this day. Players like Brian McCann, Mark Teixeira, Starlin Castro, Carlos Beltran, Jacoby Ellsbury. A lot of players you probably forgot by now. And fast forward six years, and here we are. Me waiting for the 2022 season and my seventh season of watching Major League Baseball and the New York Yankees. Well, we still got six months left for crazy trades, big signings, huge money being thrown around, and most importantly, anxiousness for the new baseball season coming up in March. We still got hockey, however, to keep our podcast alive, and that is what we will talk about next. But until next time, I am very excited for the new baseball season to come up. So this will be our third NHL Weekly Recap this year. Not only were there very entertaining games this past week, but we had a lot of news to go with it too. So let's get into it. So first thing we got to talk about is Joel Quenville resigning as head coach of the Florida Panthers due to a scandal he had as former head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. I can't get into too much detail because it would be a little sensitive for this show, but... I don't think Quenville ever returns as an NHL coach, to be honest. And I know his coaching tactics are pretty good. And, you know, maybe some desperate team hires him, but I'd call it retirement for this guy. Quenville does not coach a single one more game in the NHL. That's my opinion. Next thing we got to talk about is Morgan Riley. He had an eight-year, $60 million extension with the Toronto Maple Leafs. For, for Toronto, I mean, I think this is a good move. A lot of people are saying it's not, but Morgan Riley is a very underrated defenseman for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And hiring him back, or excuse me, re-signing him back is such a big move. Maple Leafs have always been known for their offense, but not so much their defense. They really don't have a good pairing, if you know what I mean. So getting Riley locked up long-term and I, he's been out of his prime for a while now, or at least I think. But once he gets out of his prime, his eight-year contract would be over with anyway. Some team, might, he might buy it out. And the next thing that we have to talk about, which is probably 
what everyone's been talking about recently. The Buffalo Sabres have just traded Jack Eichel to the Vegas Golden Knights for Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, and a few draft picks to be named later. Holy crap. I mean, I could see Jack Eichel going to the Buff- to the Vegas Golden Knights, but this is one of the weirdest timings you could have. Usually, the a player that leaves at this time of year for any sport is just some average player, but to see a star like Jack Eichel leave, it's amazing. And to be honest, I don't know who wins this trade. I think the Buffalo Sabres win it. Um, Here's what I mean. Jack Eichel has still been injured. He hasn't played a single game yet. And I don't know if he'll be a cancer in the locker room to the Vegas Golden Knights or if he'll develop and play well. But all I know is Alex Tuck is not like that at all. I think he'll be a great star, especially if the Sabres keep up how they're playing right now. Look, they'll probably choke it away this month, which happens every year, but it's all right. As a Buffalo Sabres fan, you got to enjoy how they're playing right now. And I really hope Alex Tuck keeps it up for the Sabres, you know? Peyton Krebs, I have no idea who this guy is. Uh, Leave a comment on my social media apps if you know who Peyton Krebs is, but I haven't heard of him a day in my life. And these draft picks to be named later, hopefully... Obviously, I don't know them because it's to be named later, but hopefully they develop well on the Buffalo Sabres and they don't choke it away, you know? Buffalo Sabres are not good for developing, and that's why I'm a little skeptical with Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs and a few draft picks, but I think the Sabres still win this trade. All right, so we're now going to talk about the NHL games that have happened over the past week will start off on Wednesday, October 27th. The Florida Panthers, they continue their great start, winning their seventh game in a row, 4-1, to the final score. In the first period, Charlie Coyle gets the first goal for Boston. It was Jacob Stonika who made his, I think, rookie season in 2021. He gets his first assist. That's Coyle's second goal of the game. Mason Marchment, he gets his first goal of the year. Tying the score at one. In the second period, E2 Lusterinen, I think will be a great key performer for Florida. He makes it two to one. Then we go to the third. Anthony Duclair scores on a filthy, filthy move to make it three to one. Like this was nasty. Absolutely undressing Allmark in front of the net. And then in the third, Owen Tippett would put the game away with an empty netter, leaving four to one the final score. In the second game, the Detroit Red Wings would win the game in overtime. Dylan Larkin would end up getting the OT winner. So with about 55 seconds to go in the first, Alex Ovechkin scored as a power play goal. No, it wasn't his typical OV goal like he always does, but it, a goal's a goal, so it makes it 1-0. In the second period, another power play goal for the Capitals, Evgeny Kuznetsov making it 2-0. And then the Red Wings would go on to score three straight. Adam Ernie gets a goal in the second period. In the third, just two minutes in, Robbie Fabry ties a game. And then, of course, Dylan Larkin would end the game just a minute and a half into overtime. The third game would also be in overtime. The Leafs get the job done. 3-2 to two would also be the final score. Kirby Dock scores the first goal of the game just five minutes in on the power play to make it one nothing. 
And there was something special about this goal. The Chicago Blackhawks finally got their first lead of the season. I know, I know, such a great accomplishment by this squad. Anyways, they would even add on to it. Alex DeBrinkin makes it 2-0 in the first. But unfortunately, they would choke it away to three goals from the Toronto Maple Leafs by John Tavares in the second, David Camp, a former teammate in the third, and William Nylander in overtime. Yeah, still still not looking good for the Blackhawks. Anyways, another overtime game would happen later. It would be between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. 3-2, 3-2, once again, the final score. So, three overtime games, all of them would be 3-2. to two. So, wow, a lot going on. A lot of overtimes, you know? In the first, just about two minutes and 20 seconds in, Luke Glenn Denning makes it one to nothing. Shea Theodore would get an unassisted goal to tie the game at one later in the first. If you go to the second, Alexander Radulov, a nice tip-in, the def- deflection in front, making it two to one. Then, with the net empty, with fifty or excuse me, sixty-two seconds to go in the period, Jonathan Marchessault ends up tying the game, and it would eventually lead to an overtime goal by Evgeny Dadanov. Then we go to our fifth and final game of the night: the Philadelphia Flyers defeating the Edmonton Oilers five to three. The final score. Two goals from Cam Atkinson would lead to the Flyers' victory. Claude Giroud, the Flyers' captain, would get the first goal of the game, making it 1-0 in the first. Nate Thompson, where did he come from? (laughs) He makes it 2-0 in the first as well. The Oilers weren't done yet. They answered back with two goals from Tyson Berry and Connor McDavid, but Cam Atkinson would answer back with a buzzer beater to end up making it 3-2 Philadelphia going into the second. It would come with one second to go. I've always loved buzzer beaters, and you got to love them whether you're a fan of that team or not. They're just so cool, yet could be very deflating and heartbreaking at times, especially when it comes in, like, playoff games and all, you know? Anyways, the Oilers would respond with a goal just 54 seconds into the second period, tying the game at three. That would be Zach Kyman's sixth goal of the year. Jeez, forget about what I said about this guy being a bust so far. Like, Hyman is putting on a show. When he got overpaid so much, at least I thought, but the way Hyman is playing, he is really living up to that contract right now, and I hope he can keep it up because that would be huge for the Oilers. What was not huge for them was this loss they handed out in the third period. Another goal from Cam Atkinson, and then eventually an empty netter from Sean Couturier would get the job done for Philadelphia. So now we move on to Thursday. The Calgary Flames shut out the Pittsburgh Penguins' final score of 4-0. They make it five straight wins. Johnny Gaudreau would get the first goal of the game in the first period. It would be a score of the second period, but in the third... Things got flamey. I should have said, all right, I messed up that joke. I should have said things got hot there, but then that would be, all right, you know what, never mind. Anyways, in the third period, there would be goals from Blake Coleman, his start as a member of the Flames. Dylan Dubé would make it 3-0, and then Milan Lucic would score an unassisted goal to make it 4-0. 
Well, the Flames are obviously not in this winning streak scandal alone. The Carolina Hurricanes got a sip of that too. They win it 3-0, another shutout as well. Tony D'Angelo would get his first goal as a member of the Carolina Hurricanes in the first period, making it 1-0. Nino Niederreiter would score on the power play, making it 2-0. And then Andre Svechnikov would put the game away with an empty netter. When we go to the third period, the Buffalo Sabres, they continued to be pretty good. They win the game 4-3, the final score in overtime. Zemgis Gergensen would get the first goal of the game, making it 1-0. In the second period, on the power play, Rasmus Absplund would end up making it 2-0. These Buffalo Sabres, they're pretty good, like I mentioned. And... Roostalainen, I believe I'm saying his name, R2 Roostalainen, makes it 3-0 Buffalo in the second. It was a tip-in out in front, making it 3-0. The Sabres thought they had an easy victory. Well, you thought wrong. Troy Terry would make it 3-1 in the second with a nice wrister. Adam Henrique would make it 3-2 later in the second. And then just six minutes into the first, Benoit, I believe his name, Simone Benoit, makes it 3-3. However, the Buffalo Sabres had other ideas. Rasmus Absalon would not let the Anaheim Ducks claw their way back to victory. Buffalo wins it 4-3. to And like I said, I've said it so many times already. Buffalo, please enjoy this. The Sabres are actually doing good. You guys, I don't think you guys will win a cup this year, but please enjoy this. You might, Like I said, you might choke it away in November. You might choke away in December. Who knows? You might even choke it away in April. But... Just please enjoy the Buffalo Sabres playing some good hockey in front of your very eyes. So for the fourth game of the night, the Seattle Kraken defeated the Minnesota Wild 4-1 the final score. In the first period, Ryan Hartman would get the goal to make it 1-0. Hayden Fleury would end up tying the score later. He'd also get his second goal of the game in the second period. It was a great wraparound attempt, which ended up successful. And then in the third period, you know, Grubauer sh- shut the door. The wild goalie, Cam Talbot, I believe, was in net. He was pretty good, too. Just unfortunately, Brandon Tanev and Mark Giordano would score the final two goals, both empty netters, to make it 4-1 to and seal the deal for the Kraken. The next game, the Montreal Canadiens shut out the San Jose Sharks, win the game 4 nothing. It was It would be their first road win of the season, and only their second win all year. So, this kind of surprised me because this was against the San Jose Sharks, who were actually kind of a hot team to start the year. So, Montreal doing this is a bit of a shocker. In the first period, Mike Hoffman, who has hasn't been too bad for the Canadians, makes it one nothing. Alexander Romanov ends up making it two nothing in the second period. Brandon Gallagher would also tip home a power play goal later that period frame. And then in the third period, Josh Anderson puts it away with an empty netter. For the next game, the Tampa Bay Lightning defeat the Arizona Coyotes 5-1. The final score, Alex Kalorn led the way with two goals and an assist. He would get the first goal or excuse me, first two goals of the game to make it 2 nothing. Then Steven Stamkos would add to it with a power play goal later in the first. Lightning are 
are just like the Golden Knights. They love scoring early in the first period, and they've shown it in the playoffs. They're still showing it now. And for the Vegas Golden Knights, they've shown it in the playoffs. They're still showing it now. And that's pretty much their play style. So in the second period, to start it off, Alex Bear Bolette would score his first career NHL goal in the National Hockey League. Lawson Kraus would get on the board in the third to make it 4-1. to one. And then Andre Suster, it's been a while since we've heard his name, he makes it 5-1 Tampa Bay and would pretty much seal the deal for the Lightning. In the next game, the Colorado Avalanche would beat the St. Louis Blues 4-3 to three as they halt the St. Louis winning streak. In the first, however, Colton Pareko would get the first goal of the game for the St. Louis Blues. JT Comfort would end up tying it later in the first. It was a good tip in out in front. He would also get another goal in the second period and make it 2-1, to one, and the Avalanche would capitalize with three straight goals to make it 3-1. to one. Nazem Kadri with the capitalization. So after a relentless second period from the Avalanche, in the third, Braden Shen and Vladimir Tarasenko would also get on the board, but in between those two goals, Kale McCarr would end up making it 4-2. to two. So... It was a valiant effort by the St. Louis Blues, but unfortunately, their winning streak was just not meant to be. Okay, I'll take that back. It was meant to be, but it got cut short by a red-hot team in the Colorado Avalanche. For the final two games, the Philadelphia Flyers defeat the St. <laughs> excuse me, the Vancouver Canucks 2-1 was the score. Just 22 seconds into the game, Sean Couturier gets the first goal for the Philadelphia Flyers. Then... Two minutes after the Couturier goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 2-1. to one. And then four minutes after that goal, James Van Reebsite makes it 2-1. to one. So that would pretty much be the game-winning goal in the first period because the goalies would be lights out the rest of the way. Just the Flyers would have the upper hand. That was pretty much it. And it's rare that you see a game get decided in like the first half of the first period in in a game, but we saw it tonight at Vancouver. And for the final game of Thursday night, the Winnipeg Jets hold on to the victory and win the game 3-2 against the LA Kings at the Staples Center. Pierre-Luc Dubois gets the first goal of the game, making it 1-0. For the Kings, later in the first period, Rasmus Kupari would score his first National Hockey League goal to make it 1-1. Later in the second period, Adrian Kempe would make it 2-1, but then the Jets had other ideas. Andrew Kopp would end up tying the game of the third just two minutes in. Pierre-Luc Dubois would get the practical winning goal just 7.35 into the third. So Winnipeg wins this one, 3-2, the final score. Well, to start off Friday night, the Florida Panthers would defeat the Detroit Red Wings 3-2 in overtime. They would win their eighth consecutive game. Luster Ryan gets his second goal in as many games to make it one to nothing. Alexander Barkov would score just 11 seconds, <laughs> excuse me, 71 seconds to go in the first period. Don't ask me how I confused that, but later in the second period, Sam Gagne, it's been a while since you've heard from him, he makes it 2-1. to one. Pew Suter for Detroit would end up tying the game at 2. Keep in mind, he was, he was traded from the Chicago Blackhawks. And 
ever since he wasn't in the Blackhawks uniform, he Blackhawks have been just flat out terrible. And then in overtime for Florida, Alexander Barkov would win the game. It was a slick backhand to make it 3-2 Florida win. In Madison Square Garden, the New York Rangers would shut out the Columbus Blue Jackets 4-0 the final score. Adam Fox and, and Artemi Panarin each register three assists and lead the Rangers to the win. Ryan Strome would get the first goal of the game in the first period. Alexi Lafreniere would make it 2-0, would get his third goal of the season. Nothing would happen in the third, but then just a minute 19 into the third, Chris Kreider makes it 3-0. Also, that last sentence there, what I meant to say was that nothing happened in the second period, but 119 in the third, the Rangers scored another goal. And then to cap things off, Chris Kreider would score his second goal of the game on the power play in the third, making it a 4-0 Rangers win. For the third game of the night, the Washington Capitals win 2-0 over the Arizona Coyotes. Ilya Samsonov earns a 16-save shutout win, and it's way easier said than done, but I know 16 saves might seem like a lot, but it's actually very less if you're a goalie in the NHL. Samsonov had a relatively good night, and the defenseman had a really good night defensively. John Carlson would get a goal to make in the third to make it one nothing Washington. That would be the first goal of the game. And, you know, it was all Samsonov throughout the first and second. But the Capitals were so good in the third that he barely had to do anything. Alex Ovechkin would put the game away with an empty netter and would make it a 2 nothing Washington win. And that was pretty much it. It was... Just Ilya Samsonov, John Carlson, and Alex Ovechkin. That's all who came up to show up today. But either way, the Capitals won. And that's a good thing in Capland. For the next game, the Carolina Hurricanes would win another game to make it 6-3 the final score. They make it seven straight wins, and look, I'm not going to get so excited because it's against the Chicago Blackhawks, and pretty much anyone could beat the Blackhawks at this point, but who cares? Brandon Hagel will get the first goal of the game for the Blackhawks, and would you look at that? It's their second lead of the season. A certainly great accomplishment for Chicago. However, Tony D'Angelo would ruin those hopes and dreams with a game-tying goal in the first Adam Gaudette would give the Blackhawks their third lead. <laughs> Certainly a great moment for the Chicago Blackhawks, but unfortunately, Jordan Stahl would end up tying the game into the first. And Derek Stepan would also give Carolina the lead later in the first to make it 3-2. to two. And you cannot, you certainly cannot forget about Yasperi Kakadayemi. He's going to get on the board as well, making it 4-2. to two. In the second period, on the power play and off the power play, goals from Aho and Spechikov would make it 6-2. The Brinkett would get on the board in the third with a power play goal, but just wasn't enough. The Carolina Hurricanes win this one 6-3, and another terrible loss for Marc-Andre Fleury. For the next game, the Vegas Golden Knights defeat the Anaheim Ducks in the shootout as they fend off the Anaheim push 5-4, would be the final score. 
Riley Smith would get the first goal of the game just three and a half minutes into the first. Nicholas Haig would end up making it 2 nothing in the second, joined by Trevor Zegers of the Anaheim Ducks to make it 2-1. to And then it would pretty much be Vegas from there. Chandler Stevenson makes it 3-1. to Will Carrier makes it 4-1. to And just as you thought Vegas would get one more to put it away, they didn't. In fact, the complete opposite happened. Goals from Troy Terry, Isaac Lundstrom, and Adam Henrique would all end up tying the game at four, forcing overtime, which no goal was scored in that frame. So in the shootout, Trevor Zegers would get the, a goal, Nick Waugh would end up tying it, and then Evgeny Danov would end up getting the final goal of the shootout. Vegas wins this one 5-4. to four. And for the final game of Friday night, the Ottawa Senators defeat the Dallas Stars 4-1, to one, the final score. Eric Gustafson backstops win with thirty-eight with a 38-save night, and which was also led by the Ottawa scoring. Josh Norris would get the first goal of the game, making it 1-0 Ottawa. Brady Kachuk gets an unassisted lucky goal to make it 2-0. Nothing would happen in the later stages of the first, but then in the third, or excuse me, the second period, Norris would get on the board again, his second goal of the night. Later in the second period, Joel Pavelski gets on the board with a power play goal, and then in the third, just 3-11 in, Connor Brown tips home the goal for Ottawa, making it 4-1, an Ottawa win. On Saturday, October 30th, it was a busy day for all around the NHL, and the Islanders happened to play that game. However, they would lose to the Nashville Predators who would claw their way back and grab the win in a shootout. 3-2 would be the final score. In the first, Anthony Bovillia gets the first goal of the game on the power play, making it 1-0. In the second period, however, for Nashville, Tanner Jeanot would end up tying the game at 1. Then later in the period, Oliver Wallstrom with an absolute bullet passed Uzi Stiles to make it 2-1. Jean Knott would end up tying the game. That would be a second goal of the game. I don't know what it is about this man, but he is an owner of the New York Islanders franchise. He somehow does pretty good. What wasn't pretty good was the Islanders' overtime and shootout attempts. They were practically carried by Ilya Sorokin into a shootout, and then he got no credit. Philip Forsberg and Roman Yossi would literally be the only people to score. No other semblance of offense from the New York Islanders. We look flat that shootout. And Elias Sorokin, it really isn't his fault. He's the one keeping the Islanders alive. And that's pretty much it. Like, the Islanders, I'm not going to panic too much because so much people love panicking, especially on Instagram. But we are not going to be like that. The Cracker Jack Sports Show does not overreact to sports. <laughs> For the second goal of the game, or excuse me, the second game of the day, the Montreal Canadiens would drop this one, as always, to the Los Angeles Kings, 5-2, the final score. Alex Ayafalo would have two goals and one assist. If you do the math, that is three points in total. To start off the game in the first, Josh Anderson would make it 1-0 Montreal. Victor Arvidsson, his second goal as a member of the Kings, I believe, Ties the game at one in the second. Later in the second period, Arthur Kalayev, I believe I'm saying his name correctly, he gets his first career NHL goal, making it 2-1. to one. Kupari would 
would end up scoring in the third, making it 3-1. to one. So he gets his second goal in as many days. Alex Iafalo joins the party, making it 4-1. to one. And like mentioned earlier, he gets his second goal of the game, making it 5-1. to one. Ben Sherratt would not be in this alone. He'd be the annoying little sibling who wants to get into the conversation, making it 5-2. to two. But the big brother shoves him. How do they do that? Well, the LA Kings still hold on to the victory. Five to two, the final score. For the next game, the Boston Bruins would defeat the Florida Panthers three to two in the shootout, snapping the Panthers' winning streak. Charlie Coyle gets another goal, his start of the season, making it one nothing. He's starting to heat up. It would this came late in the first period. However, the Panthers would respond. They must have had some sort of locker room talk. They tie the game at one. Just 40 seconds into the second period. Then in the third period, Alexander Barkov would make it 2-1. to one. And the Panthers, they can't rely on their goaltending too much. And it kind of showed. Charlie McAvoy would tie the game later in the third on the power play. I believe it was 13-35 in. And then in the shootout, Charlie Coyle continues to own the heck out of the Florida Panthers. 3-2, to two, the final score. Boston takes it. For the next game of Saturday night, the Toronto Maple Leafs defeat the Detroit Red Wings 5-4, the final score. John Tavares had a goal and two assists. You do the math there again. That is also three points. In the first period with, I believe, 14 seconds to go, Jake Muzzin scores for Toronto, making it 1-0. In the second period for the Red Wings, however, Philip Zadina scores a power play goal. And just like the first period with 16 seconds to go in the period. Matt Bunting would get the goal for Toronto, making it 2-1. to one. And then in the third, just 17 seconds into the frame, Alex Kerfoot makes it 3-1. to one. Then later in the third period, I'm pretty sure just a minute after, Joe Valeno scores his first career NHL goal to make it 3-2. to two. However, the fun wasn't done yet. John Tavares would end up scoring on a nice snapper to make it 4-2. to two. Vladislav Nemestikov would add to it in the third to make it 4-3. to three. However, Maple Leafs weren't done applying the pressure. Mitch Marner scores a beautiful wraparound goal to make it 5-3. to three. Philip Aronik, however, he'd make things interesting. They score at the empty net and make it 5-4, to four, but it just wasn't enough. The Maple Leafs hung on for the final 29 seconds and took the win. The next game, the New Jersey Devils defeat the Pittsburgh Penguins 4-2. The score in this one, Andreas Janssen struck struck twice for the Devils in their win. Danton Heinen, however, got the first goal of the game for Pittsburgh, making it 1-0 in the first. Then with about 40 seconds to go in the first period, Andreas Janssen, as mentioned, would score his first goal of the game. Jimmy Vesey former New York Ranger and former Buffalo Sabre ends up making it 2 to 1 in the second. Brock McGinn would end up tying the game at third his against his best friend Dougie Hamilton who plays on the Devils, but the NJ would respond with vengeance. Jesper Bratt scores an unassisted goal, a beauty around Tristan Yari to make it 3 to 2, and then Andreas Janssen would put it away with a nice wrist shot late in the third to make it 4 to 2. In the next game, the San Jose Sharks 
defeat the Winnipeg Jets 2-1 in overtime. Timo Meyer would get the overtime winning goal. What followed up to it, though, in the second, Timo, or excuse me, Tomas Hurdle would score 54 seconds into the frame, making it 1-0. Then in the late stages of the third, Kyle Connor would tie the game, but as mentioned, Meyer would win the game in overtime just a minute in on the power play. Next up, the St. Louis Blues. They would defeat the Chicago Blackhawks 1-0 shutout. Jordan Bennington would collect it on the shutout with 25 saves. And it would be backed up by a third-period goal by Tory Crew. He comes up clutch again on the power play. Another win for the St. Louis Blues. Speaking of another win, the Colorado Avalanche just so happened to do that. They defeat the Wild 4-1. It was another good win by the squad. Colorado gets another dub. Gabe Landeskog gets two goals and two assists. And, geez, I feel like I'm in algebra class right now. That's four total points. <laughs> in the first period, Gabe Landeskog would get the first goal of the game. one nothing. Ryan Hartman would end up tying it in the second with a power play goal 1-1. to And that would pretty much be it for the wild offense. Like, it just kind of died after that. Eric Johnson, I don't know how he's still on the team, but either way, he makes it 2-1. to one. Then in the third, goals from Nazem Kadri and Gabe Landeskog would put the game away. The Calgary Flames, however, they would not put their winning streak away. They win this one 4 to nothing again. So back-to-back shutout. No, not back-to-back shutouts. Wait, actually, no. Yes, back-to-back shutouts. <laughs> Sorry about my bad grammar there. But they would win their sixth straight game, four to nothing. Sean Monahan gets the first goal in the second on the power play. Matt Kachuk in the third to make it two nothing also came on the power play, and then an empty net goal from Mikhail Backlund and a pretty much a dangler by Johnny Gaudreau would pretty much seal the deal. I don't know why I've always loved calling them danglers because. The Flyers are pretty much dangling for mercy since it's already 3-0 and they already scored an empty net. But Gaudreau's still got to, you know, Gaudreau's still got to do Johnny Hockey things, you know. And for the final game of Saturday night, the Edmonton Oilers defeat the Vancouver Canucks 2-1. Leon Dreisaitl would score the game-winning goal. However, the first goal of the game would come from Warren Fogle, his second as a member of the Oilers. Dreisaitl, as mentioned, would get the game-winning goal. This one came in the late stages of the second period, I believe with 40 seconds to go on the power play. And then in the third, the Canucks made a very, very late push attempt. Brock Bezer would score with like seven seconds to go in the third. But as predicted, it wasn't enough. The Vancouver Canucks still dropped it 2-1, to one, the final score. Well, three big things happened on October 31st. First of all, happy Halloween 2021. Second of all, yes, Sunday football. But third, and most importantly for this show, more hockey. So the Carolina Hurricanes would end their October with an 8-0 record. 2-1 the final score. They would beat Arizona. Christian Fisher gets the first goal of the game for the Coyotes, making it 1-0. But then in the second period, Marty Natchez would end up tying it. And then Brett Pesci comes up huge on the power play in the third to make it a 2-1 Carolina victory. 
In the next game, the Anaheim Ducks would defeat the Montreal Canadiens 4-2. The Montreal struggles continue. I'm pretty sh- I'm think that game 5 was just very deflating cuz they have not been the same since and it shows because of how they are playing. So Ryan Getzloff would set a Ducks record for all-time points. So congratulations to him on that. Adam Henrique would get the first goal of the game on the power play. Mike Hoffman continues his good streak he's got so far other than the Montreal Canadiens. Oh wait a second. Yes, like the Montreal Canadiens in losing. In the first period, or should I say later in the first period, the Ducks would get another goal. Vinny Latiri, I believe I'm saying his name correctly, he makes it 2-1, to one, his first National Hockey League goal. Jake Evans, finally back from his head, head collision with Mark Shifley, ties the game at 2 in the second if you guys don't remember, it was back in like June, game one, round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs against the Winnipeg Jets. Mark Shifley, a cheap shot to Jake Evans. It legit ended his run. And I don't think if Evans was there, he would have made such a big difference, but still, it kind of stung. What else stung was this loss. Troy Terry would make it 3-2. to two. And then Sam Carrick puts it away with an empty netter. So Anaheim is pretty good at beating up on the Montreal Canadiens. Actually, they're not. They actually kind of suck. It's just I'm pointing it out because the Canadiens suck this year. Well, you know who else doesn't suck? The Buffalo Sabres, but they did suck in this game. They lost to the LA Kings by a final score of 3-2. to two. Alex Iafalo would get the game winner. The first goal of the game would come in the second period. After nothing happened to the first, Rasmus Apslin would score an unassisted goal to make it 1-0. Victor Olofsson gets his fifth of the year, making it 2-0, but the Kings would make their storming back. Carl Grundstrom in the second, Anzi Kopitar in the third on the power play, and then with seven minutes to go, or excuse me, six minutes to go in the third, Alex Iafalo, as mentioned, gets the game winner. For the fourth game of this Halloween Sunday, the Columbus Blue Jackets would beat the New Jersey Devils 4-3 in a shootout, completing a comeback for the victory. Andreas Janssen gets already his fourth goal of the season to make it 1-0. It was about a minute into the first period. Oliver Yorkstrand for Columbus would end up tying the game at 1 on a big clapper. Yorkstrand's one of those offensive forwards where he just loves firing a puck. I don't know why I said that, but later in the first period, a goal from Patrick Laine, his third of the year, makes it 2-1. to one. And this is actually his first goal this year that hasn't been in overtime. Keep in mind, the only two other two goals he's had were in overtime, unfortunately one of them being to my New York Islanders, but that's besides the point. Anyways... In the second period, Dawson Mercer scores another great wraparound goal to tie the game at 2. Later in the second period, Dougie Hamilton makes it 3-2, to two, and the Devils looking pretty sharp going to the third. Think they have an easy win? Nope. Boone Jenner says otherwise, as he scores 14-35 into the third with a snapshot unassisted to tie the game at 3. Nothing would happen in the overtime period, and barely in the shootout period, but something had to give, 
and it was Jacob Voracek. He scored a nice backhand to win the game in the shootout against the New Jersey Devils. Which brings us to our fifth and final game of Halloween. The New York Rangers defeat the Seattle Kraken 3-1 at Climate Pledge Arena. This would only be the, the Kraken's second career loss in Seattle. So, that does that have anything to do with anything? No, it doesn't, but that's besides the point. In the first period, Chris Kreider would end up making it 1-0, 3.38 into the frame. Nothing would happen from there, but then in the second period, Jordan Everly, he gets his second goal of the year and his second goal as a member of the Kraken, tying the game at one. I've never been a huge fan of Everly as an Islanders fan, but you gotta love it. Everly's good to see Everly like being a team leader for the Kraken, and that's why I like when the Kraken selected him. Not only did it give extra money to the Islanders, but he's becoming like a leader, like a first liner for the Kraken. So good to see him. Turning in, turning himself into a star, making him stand out more, you know? In the third period for the Rangers, they would spoil that little celebration and that little happiness I was giving for Everly as there were goals from Adam Fox and Barclay Goodrow. Goodrow's would be in an empty net. Adam Fox's goal would be 12-10 in the third. So on the 1st of November on Monday, it was a very different story. Only three games in total were played. The first one would be between the Washington Capitals and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay would win this one in the hands of Anthony Sorelli, getting a goal and two assists. For Washington, however, a minute 13 into the first, Brett Leeson, 6'5", 218 pounds, and only 22 years old, makes it one nothing Washington. I've always found that very unique. Young rookies that are very tall, usually... When you picture a rookie, you picture someone who is very short, and Leeson's the very opposite of that completely. In the second period, Alex Kalorn would end up tying the game with a nice little backhand. Later in the second period, Anthony Sorelli makes it 2-1 on the power play. And then in the third, Braden Point makes it 3-1 Tampa Bay. And for the, for the Lightning forward Taylor Radish, that would actually be his first career assists, so good for him on that. Then in the third, Connor Sheary would give Washington some life with a 3-2, well, cutting the deficit to 3-2, but it just wasn't enough as Washington would drop this one 3-2 to the defending champs. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't think I'm ready to say this, and I I don't think you guys are ready to hear this, but the Chicago Blackhawks in the 2021-22 National Hockey League season, have won a hockey game. I know, I know. It's very hard to picture in this time frame, but it has happened. And it came in the hands of Patrick Kane in Chicago's first win. The first period, Brandon Hagel would get a goal in the first... Oh, why did I say that twice? Brandon Hagel would get his second goal of the year, making it 1-0. Patrick Kane would get his only a second goal of the year as well, making it 2-0. That's a difference between players who have high expectations and players who have low. Hagel, I don't ride Hagel as much as Kane, so two goals for Kane is pretty disappointing. 
Two goals for Hagel is not so disappointing. And what was not so disappointing for Brandon Hagel as well was getting two goals that game, making it 3 nothing Chicago just 27 seconds into the third. Patrick Kane would also join the party, making it 4 nothing in the third, just a minute 22 win and only a minute after Hagel's goal. For Ottawa, Alex Formenton makes it 4-1 to with a goal in the third, and that came literally just a few seconds after Kane's goal, but Patrick Kane would get the hat-trick, or should I say complete the hat-trick, just 7-17 of the third, 5-1 the final score. I know, I know it's against the Ottawa Senators. I shouldn't be overreacting too much. I understand. But it's a Chicago Blackhawks win. I don't care what any of y'all say. In the in the third period, or excuse me, the third game would be between the Kraken and the Oilers. The, Leon Dreisaitl would score the first goal of the game for Edmonton, making it one nothing. Jaden Schwartz would end up tying the game just four minutes into the first period, and only two minutes after the Oilers' first goal. And Dreisaitl, he might have took that goal personally from Jaden Schwartz because he makes it two to one with already his seventh goal of the year. So it's 2-1 to one going into the second period. Duncan Keith for Edmonton finally scores his first goal as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. It's still kind of weird seeing him in the orange and blue, but we see weird stuff every day in the year 2021. Now, in the late stages of the second period, Carson Soucy scores his second goal in a Kraken uniform, making it 3-2. to two. Keep in mind, he was a member of the Minnesota Wild, so still developing for Seattle. In the third, just 2.57 in, Kyle Turris. I don't know if this is his first goal as a member of the Oilers, or I might be mistaken. I don't. I forgot when Turris joined the Edmonton Oilers. I didn't know if it was this year or last year. I'll still figure it out. Don't worry about that. But then in the third, Kyler Yamamoto makes it 5-2 Edmonton pretty much putting the game away. That would be his first goal of the year as well. Which brings us to our final day to discuss for our NHL Weekly Recap. The Toronto Maple Leafs shut out the Vegas Golden Knights 4-0 the final score. Mitch Marner's three-point night would lead the way. He would also get the first goal of the game to make it 1-0 Toronto. In the second period, on the power play, Austin Matthews makes it 2-0 his second goal of the year and... You know, Maple Leafs fans overreacted once again. I don't know why. And they would overreact once again later in the second period when Matthews would score another goal. Hey, in fact, let's overreact to a goal from William Nylander. Okay, I'll stop right there. But either way, Nylander would score just 243 in the third, making it 4-0 Maple Leafs, the final score. For For the second game of Tuesday, November 2nd, the Montreal Canadiens would get their second win of the season, shutting out the Detroit Red Wings 3-0. They just love playing against Detroit. So the their only two or excuse me, their only three wins they have won this season, two of them going against Detroit. That's kind of funny, but like I said before, there's some weird stuff we see in 2021, and that's what's happening with the Montreal Canadiens. Suzuki had all was involved in all three goals. He had three points, and in the first goal, he was probably involved in the most because 
He was the one who actually scored just 2.06 into the period. Josh Anderson would score later in the first to make it 2-0. Nothing would really happen in the second period. Kind of bland, to be honest. But then in the third, Brendan Gallagher would put the game away with an empty netter. Another shutout win would also come our way later on Tuesday night. Carter Hart would get this one, 3-0, the final score against the Arizona Coyotes. Finally, Carter Hart, hopefully Hart revives to his 2019-20 form. Even though I'm an Islanders fan and I hate the Flyers so much, I love Carter Hart. I mean, he is he is like a definition of a growing goalie, and I really hope he can get back to how he once was because Flyers fans kind of overreacted of how he was last year which I don't blame him for, but at the same time, I'm like, cut the kids some slack because, you know, everyone has a bad year. Hopefully, Hart will bounce back, and this win kind of proves that he could bounce back. There will be no goals in the first period and the second period, pretty much Carter Hart stopping pucks left and right. But then in the third, we've had goals from Sean Couturier, Scott Lofton, and then an empty netter from Claude Giroux to back up Hart for the win. For the next game, the Minnesota Wild would win against the Ottawa Senators 5-4 in overtime. Marcus Foligno powers the Wild to victory with a two-goal game. He would also get the first goal of the game to make it 1-0. That would be his start of the year. Later in the first for Minnesota, Kalen Addison would score his first career goal as a member of the Wild. Then later in the first, more action would come your way. Nick Paul makes it 2-1 for Ottawa. But then Nico Sturm gets on the board for the Wild, making it 3-1. Only his second goal of the year. In the second period, Drake Batherson and Josh Norris would score back-to-back goals to tie the game at 3. And then Chris Tierney would make it back-to-back-to-back, making it 4-3. So Ottawa had a great second period there. But it had to be ruined by Marcus Foligno, who ties a game at four. There would be nothing else going on in the third, but then in overtime, Kirill the Thrill, BBQ Bill. (laughs) I messed that up so bad. Kirill Kaprizov wins it in overtime with his first goal of the year. And look, I know it's an overtime win by one of the best youngsters in the game. But this is kind of karma for Kaprizov because he's asking for so much money as a rookie, and the negotiations took so long for the Wild to finally sign back, and this is how you perform. You're earning $9 million per year as someone who could have easily gone back to Euro- European hockey, and this is how you respond. I kind of don't get that, but either way, the Wild fans were walking out of the building happy. So were the Jets fans when they defeated the Dallas Stars 4-3 to in a shootout. They take a wild back-and-forth game to capitalize. Paul Stassi gets the first goal of the game, making it 1-0 in the first. Jamie Benn, the Stars captain, he gets his first goal of the year to tie the game at 1. We now go to the second period. Josh Morrissey, just 32 seconds in, makes it 2-1. He would also be joined by Pierre-Luc Dubois, literally 7 minutes after, making it 3-1. Then in the third... Rookie sensation last year, Jason Robertson gets off to a good start in his sophomore year, getting his first goal, making it 3-2. And then in the third period later, Tyler Sagan would score on a deflection. 
There will be no action going on in overtime, but then in the shootout, Kyle Connor scores the first goal, then Joe Pavelski, and then eventually Mark Scheifele would get the game winner, winning the game in the shootout. 4-3, to three, the final score. Well, as Jay-Z once said, on to the next one. The Nashville Predators would snap the Flames' winning streak with a 3-2 win in overtime. In the first period, Luke Cunnan makes it 1-0 Nashville, followed by a goal later in the period by Matt Kachuk on the power play. He's been a power play warrior so far for the Flames, which has led to their win streak, which fell apart. But Philip Forsberg would score just a minute and a half left in the first period. Then for the Flames, not in the second period, but then in the third period, Oliver Kylington scores his first career NHL goal just three minutes and 20 seconds in, tying the game at two. But then in overtime, Matt Duchesne would win the game. Speaking of overtime, the Vancouver Canucks would do that to the New York Rangers. 3-2 to two also would be the final score. No goals would be scored in the first, but then in the second, Mika Zibanejad makes it 1-0 New York. Artemi Panarin would join the party, making it 2-0 with a power play goal. And the Canucks would complete the comeback in the third and overtime from goals by JT Miller, the only the second career goal for Vasily Podkolzin, and then to win it in overtime, JT Miller once again. In the next game, the Anaheim Ducks shut out the New Jersey Devils 4-0 the final score. Troy Terry extends his point streak to nine games. Ryan Getzloff would also score his first goal of the season. It would come in the first on the power play. And this goal by Troy Terry in the second, which would also be on the power play, would also extend his point streak to nine games. So good for him on that. And he'd even add to it, put more icing on the cake, making it 3 nothing in the third on a nice wrister. And then Isaac Lundstrom would score a shorthanded goal to pretty much put the game away in the third period. It was a nice little backhander. And then for the final game of Tuesday night, the San Jose Sharks defeat the new the Buffalo Sabres 5-3. I said it once and I'll say it again. This is a future Stanley Cup matchup. Just watch. And technically in my book, the Sharks win game one of the Stanley Cup finals. So... Dahlin for San Jose, Jonathan Dahlin makes it one nothing. He gets his fourth career NHL goal. He's he's doing pretty good to uh, start off his NHL career, making it one nothing. Jeff Skinner would end up tying the game at one with his second goal of the game. Then in the first period for San Jose again, Ryan Merkley this time making it two to one San Jose for them in the period. Move on to the second period. Tomas Hurdle would score for the Sharks. Drake Cadula, though, would make things interesting, making it a 3-2 score. Then in the third period, Martin Ferraro makes it 4-2 Sharks on a nice little goal there. Tomas Hurdle makes it 5-2 later in the third period. That would be a second goal of the game. Jeff Skinner would add to it, but it just wouldn't be enough as the Sharks would still win the game 5-3, 5-3, to three, the final score. And by the way, I made a little mistake there. Tuesday was not the final day of the NHL recap. It's actually Wednesday, November 3rd, yesterday. 
So we're going to take a look at what happened there. For the first game, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl combined for five points, defeating the Edmonton Oilers 5-2. The dynamic duo continues to lead the Oilers to success. Dreisaitl scores his first goal of the game, making it one to nothing. His eighth goal of the year on the power play. Matt Duchesne ends up tying the game at one. Kyler Yamamoto in the second period makes it two to one. Then in the third, Leon Dreisaitl makes it three to one. Edmonton. Then Devin Shore in the third makes it four to one as well. And then after the goal by Ryan Johansson for the on the power play, the Oilers would pretty much put this game away. Yesi Paul Jarvie would. Ends it with an empty netter. The Carolina Hurricanes, they would extend their winning streak to nine in a row. What a start for this tribe, or for this tribe, making it four to three, the final score. First goal of the game comes from Alex Debrinket, a minute 35 in, making it one nothing Chicago. Derek Stepfan for the Hurricanes would end up tying the game at one. Patty Kane. I know it seems like a lot, but it it all happened in a very short amount of time. His fifth goal of the year, making it 2-1 to one in the second period. Good deflection out in front. Dabrinkit gets his second goal of the game, making it 3-1. to one. For Carolina in the second period, risking it home with Seth Jarvis, his first career NHL goal, making it 3-2. to two. And then just 17 seconds into the third period, Jesper Foss would tie the game at 3 and then Marty Natchez, just three minutes after the Foss goal, makes it 4-3 Carolina. And that would pretty much end the night for the Blackhawks. So another disappointing loss for Marc-Andre Fleury. For the next game, Cole Sillinger, the rookie for the Blue Jackets, scores twice in a Blue Jackets win. 5-4 was the final in overtime. Nothing would happen in the first period, surprisingly, for a, a goal fest like this. But in the second period, just 32 seconds in, Logan O'Connor scores for Colorado, making it 1-0. Bowen Bryan would join it 2, making it 2-0. And then for the rest of the second period, all you would get would be a goal from Jake Bean, and that would do it. Third period, though, things got interesting. Cole Sillinger would get his first goal of the game, just a minute 13 in. And then he'd also score his second goal of the game. So Cole Sillinger... Two goals right off the bat into the third period, making it 3-2. to two. Boone Jenner would also join the party, making it 4-2. to two. And then things were not done yet. JT Confer makes it 4-3. to three. Bowen Bryan, in the final 52 seconds of the game, ties it. But then in overtime, Jake Bean gets the winner, and Columbus walks out of Colorado happy. So did the LA Kings in this final game of Wednesday night. They beat the St. Louis Blues 3-2, the final score. Brandon Shen gets his first goal of the game, making it one to nothing. It was a power play goal. Alex Kalayev would end up tying the game at one in the third period as nothing happened really after the Shen goal. Adrian Kempe makes it 2-1 in the third. Tori Krug would end up tying the game just nine seconds left in the third period. Krug has been very clutch in the final seconds or final minutes of games. However, in the shootout, goals from Adrian Kempe, David Perron, and Jordan Cairo would keep the game alive. So, man, it was a wild shootout. Very wild shootout. 
However, goals from Alex Ayafalo and Kalaev would win the game for the Kings 3-2, the final score. So before we wrap up this episode, we're going to take a look at the upcoming events for the National Hockey League. First of all, the New York Islanders will take on the struggling Montreal Canadiens at the Bell Center in Montreal. This would be the first time the Islanders and Canadians faced off since March 3rd of 2020 at the Barclays Center. Another significance about that date was that this would be the last Barclays Center game in Islanders history. It was originally scheduled for March 24th of 2020, but due to COVID, it would not happen. So this was like the unofficial last game. And it was kind of salty since they lost like 6-2, to two, I think. Not to mention... This is also their first time playing in Montreal since December 3rd of 2019. There's also going to be six other games at 7 o'clock p.m. tonight. The Red Wings will take on the Bruins at Boston. The Lightning will take on the Toronto Maple Leafs at Scotiabank Arena. Vegas will take on Ottawa at the Canadian Tire Center. The Capitals take on Florida at Sunrise. Well, not literally Sunrise, but Sunrise is the name of the town. And then we got a Pennsylvania rivalry going on. Flyers-Penguins at PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh. At 9 o'clock Eastern Time, the Dallas Stars will take on the Calgary Flames at Scotiabank Saddle Dome. At 10 o'clock Eastern Time, the, the Buffalo Sabres take on the Seattle Kraken. This will be the Sabres' first time ever playing in Seattle. And then at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the St. Louis Blues take on the San Jose Sharks at SAP Center. Or, excuse me, SAP Arena. Not sure if I got that right, but that game will happen at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time at San Jose, California. Another important thing happening tomorrow, actually, is free tacos. That's right. Taco Bell will be giving away free tacos to anyone who has signed up for this MLB pass. And here's the reason why. In game one of the 2021 World Series, Ozzy Albee stole second stole second base, which is why they are doing this. Don't ask me why it's on November 5th, which is literally three days after the World Series. But that's all right. I don't care. Free tacos for everyone. Good for them. And... Look, once again, congratulations to the Atlanta Braves. They, it was karma for a certain team that shall not be named. And that's pretty much it. Go Atlanta. And one of my favorite parts of cheering for the Atlanta Braves this series was obviously the tomahawk chop. Like it was, I can't imagine how cool that must be just hearing 10,000, not even 10,000, 50,000 fans just chanting that. It must be peer pressure for the opposing hitters and opposing fielders, you know? And that pretty much ends it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, make sure to follow the Cracker Jack Sports Show on Instagram and Twitter. The link to those is in our website at crackerjacksports.com. I'm your host, John Coro. And this was the Cracker Jack Sports Show. We'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.